I have some tools uh, here that uh, I want to talk about just for a little bit. Uh, I am a grill master, not certified by any grilling master class or anything. I, I, I just am. Um, I, I love to grill. I mean, I love to grill out in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. I don't grill out in the winter. I'm not that hardcore yet. Um, but I love to grill out, in the, especially in the summertime. When the sun is starting to get a little, in, a little low in the sky, it's about 78 degrees outside. The birds are chirping. There's a slight breeze blowing, just enough to keep the coals hot. I love to grill. And I love to grill ribeyes. How many of you like a ribeye? Like a good ribeye? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love a good ribeye, especially if it's medium rare. It's got to be medium rare. Anything more than that, just order the chicken, okay? So... I love to grill out, and, and, and what I'll do is, I, and I have, these are my tools that I use for grilling out, and so uh, I've got my, uh, I got my chimney. How many of you have you ever used a chimney for your, it's the greatest thing ever. I mean, it, one of the greatest things ever. It's not like the greatest thing ever, but it's like one of the greatest things ever is the chimney, and what you do with the chimney is you take the charcoal. By the way, there's only one brand of charcoal. And with apologies to all you gas lovers, there's only one way to grill, Two words, Kingsford, and uh, so uh, I, I get my Kingsford charcoal out, and I dump it in the chimney, and then I use one of these. These are very, very handy. These are the Weber, uh, Weber lighter cubes, and you take the Weber lighter cube, and you put it under the chimney, and you, uh, you, let, you set the uh, cube on fire in about 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And I know gas is more convenient, uh, gas is faster, but it doesn't have that charcoal flavor. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I can't help it. It just comes out. Uh, so um, I, uh, I, I set the cube under there. I let, light the cube on fire. About 10 minutes later, I've got uh, orange hot coals, just hot, hot coals. And uh, I, I love it. And I got my tongs and I'm ready to flip my ribeyes. Medium rare, about four minutes on a side, and you're like, whoa, that's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, I, uh, I, I, I take the, the charcoal and I, I, uh, the, the chimney, and I dump the charcoal into the grill, and, and, and inevitably something always happens where one of the little coals will kind of fall off to the side and gets over on the deck, and I, I don't even realize it's over there. Uh, but in the meantime, I've got these hot coals in this grill and they're begging for a ribeye, and I'm glad to give it to them. And so uh, I, uh, I get my ribeyes out, and I, and I grill them, like I said, about four minutes, five minutes at the most on the side, and then I take them inside. And, and all the while, there's that, there's that, you know, I got these hot coals, and they're staying hot and everything, but then there's that, that one coal that was hot, and it kind of just lands over on the side, and, and it's over there, and, and that one coal is all by itself. I've got all these coals in the grill, and they're hot, and they're keeping each other hot, and the air's blowing, and the oxygen's feeding them and everything, and uh, science. Anyway, um, I got this one coal over here on the ground, and this little guy over here, well, he's, he's going out. He's getting cold. Now, if I were to see him and think, oh, no, Billy. got a name but if uh 
If I were to take Billy, not with my hand, uh, but with the tongs, and I put him back in the fire with the other coals, well, he's going to heat up again. He's going to get hot again. And he's going to contribute to the cooking of the meat. And uh, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that, is that sometimes the church can be like a, a grill fire. I'm not saying that we're burning each other, because I know that does happen. Sometimes we're, we're like a grill fire. Where we think to ourselves, I can do this by myself. I can be Billy. And uh, I, I, I can go out on my own. And for good reasons. I mean, we, we have good reasons for, for leaving church sometimes. At least we think they're good reasons. You know, we get tired. We get tired of the politics in church. What? Politics in a church? Never! Yeah. Oh, we'll get tired of the frustrations of leadership or the frustrations of volunteers or lack thereof. And we get frustrated with the church and we think, man, I'd just be better off without it. We'll get frustrated with the church politics and the leadership. We just think, I'd be better off without it. Oh, we'll get tired of, of uh, you know, uh, the, the backstabbing and the gossiping and, the, and, and people who aren't very kind and loving to one another. I, you've all heard of churches like this, right? Where people just aren't very nice to each other. They don't look after one another and they don't love each other. I, I'm sure you've seen churches like this. Not here. I, I, we have a very loving church family and people actually care about one another, which is a very good thing. There's always room for improvement. And so maybe you've looked at the church in the past and thought, man, I just don't need that. And, and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to quit going for a while. I'm just going to quit going for a while. And, and this happens to a lot of people where they just say, I'm, I'm just going to stop going for a while. And, and sure enough, you quit going. And, and uh, I think the first Sunday that you skip church, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I get a little clammy hands and a little nervous of, <laughs> hope somebody doesn't cut my brake lines. Um, Oh, I don't get struck by lightning. I'm not going to church today. And lo and behold, you don't get struck by lightning. Lo and behold, nothing bad happens to you. And you're like, well, that wasn't so bad. In fact, I, I think I'm right. I think my life is better off without the politics and better off without the frustrations and better off without trying to get four kids and a, and a big kid ready to go to church. All the screaming and yelling and stress on a Sunday morning. No, that never happens, right? I'm better off. I mean, I was able to take a walk. I was able to read the paper. I was able to drink some coffee, and it's just so much less stressful. I don't have to fight with anybody about, do we really have to go to church again? I don't have to fight with anybody when I get to church about this is to this and that is to that and I don't like this and I don't like that. And, and really, just by not going to church, my life is a lot less stressful. Maybe you've been there. Maybe that's how you've been. Maybe you've thought that. and Maybe you're thinking that right now like, that does sound nice. <laughs> and so what we'll do is we'll quit going to church and then we'll start to say things like, well, I'm not really into organized religion. Anybody ever say that? I'm not into organized religion. By the way, have you ever seen a church that is organized? There is no such thing. There's no such thing as organized religion. By its very nature, the church is disorganized. That's another sermon. Um, 
But we'll say things like, you know, I'm, I don't really go to church. I'm not into organized religion. Or uh, I don't really go to church, but I'm spiritual. You've, you've heard people say this, yes? I'm, I don't, I'm not really into church, but I'm spiritual. Or I believe in Jesus, I just don't believe in the church. And, and so we become like Lone Ranger Christians, where it's like, I, I'm out here on the range, riding out by myself, and, and I, I've got a good relationship with God, and, and uh, me and God, we're okay with that. And I don't know that that's the case. I don't mean to step on your toes, but I kind of do. And I don't think that God ever intended Christians to live without the church. At least not to grow in faith and to be a part of a family. And it may just be that the reason that you're struggling with church is because it's not you, it's, and it's not the church, it's just, it's, it's the church. I mean, let's face it, the church is imperfect. Uh, the church really is imperfect because it's filled with imperfect people. And that's what the church really is. The church isn't a building. If, if lightning struck this building next week and, and it crumbled to the ground, we'd still be the first Christian church of Griffith. We'd still be GFCC because the building is not the church. The service is not the church. And we have great worship services. We have great music. We have great preaching. We have great fellowship. We have a great church. We have great church services. We have a really good weekend experience, but that's not the church. No, look around the room for just a second. You're looking at the church because you and me, we're the church. The church is not a building you go to. The church is not a service you attend. The church is a family to which you belong. And like I said, the problem the church is that the church is full of imperfect people. The church is made of, up of imperfect people. We're all sinners and we all do sinful things. And we step on each other's toes and we bump into each other and, and we don't say excuse me all the time. We say, oop. That's the Midwestern thing that people say when they bump into each other at the grocery store. Oh, and have you ever do that? It's true. It's actually true. I do that. I'm like, oop, oop. And it's like, where did that come from? How did we learn this? And that, that we do that here in, in Indiana. I don't know. Um, but we don't always say excuse me. And we don't always apologize. And we don't always love each other like we should. And so the church kind of falls short of what God intended for it to be. But just because it's imperfect and just because it's filled with imperfect people doesn't mean we don't have room for another imperfect person. And so you're welcome here in all of your imperfections and, and all of your failures and all of your faults. You're welcome here. We'd love for you to join us and, and help us be a little less imperfect. It's okay. Now, so today what we're going to talk about, though, is this idea of can I be a Christian without going to church? Now, you can, be, you can believe in Jesus without going to church, yes. But can you be a growing, faithful Christian without going to church? And I don't think the answer is yes. And I'm going to explain why in just a little bit. I don't think you can be a growing, faithful Christian without going to church because the church is Jesus' idea. Jesus created the church for us. And he intended for us to be a part of a family for very good reasons. And we'll get into those in just a moment. So what we're going to do today is we're going to conclude our series, Fake News and Alternative Facts. And we started this series on Easter Sunday, if you remember. We talked about how Jesus didn't rise from the dead, but we know that, that that's fake news because Jesus really did rise from the dead. We talked about how there were lots of witnesses and people who saw Jesus alive. 
And then we talked about how you have to earn your salvation. Well, that's, again, fake news because you can't earn your salvation. You can't be good enough for it. You can't buy it. You can't uh, do enough good deeds for it. You can't do enough rituals and say enough prayers and sing enough songs and go to enough church services. Now, wait a minute. You just said you can't be a faithful, growing Christian without going to church. It's true. We'll get into that in just a minute. Last week, we talked about how Jesus isn't the only way to be saved. And, well, that's alternative facts. Because the fact of the matter is that Jesus is the only way to be saved. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you missed any of those three sermons, they're available on our website at gfcc.net. encourage you to check them out uh, and uh, share them with people uh, you know. Next week, we're going to have Mother's Day. We're going to celebrate Mother's Day here at GFCC. We'll have gifts for all the ladies in attendance. Uh, we have some very nice uh, gifts for the ladies next week. Uh, and uh, we're going to celebrate moms and uh, the, the, the women in our lives next week. Uh, and then the week after that, we're going to do a sermon called Who's Your One? And it's a sermon about evangelism. And who is that one person that you want to bring to Christ more than any other? We're going to talk about who's your one on that week. Then we're going to have Memorial Day. Then we're going to jump into a new series over the summer uh, all about the stories Jesus told, about the parables that Jesus told in the Gospels and how they apply to our lives. So that's where we're going over the next few months. Uh, encourage you, uh, just encourage you to invite a friend, and invite some neighbors, invite some relatives, some co-workers. Just say, hey, you've got to come check this out. It's amazing. And uh, we'd love to have them come and join us as we talk about uh, real life uh, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, but for today, we're in Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 25 uh, this morning. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's all right. We have Bibles in the chair in front of you. It's on page 851. And uh, just encourage you to grab that uh, on page 851. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. The book of Hebrews was written to first century Jewish Christians who were tempted to leave the faith. Uh, they were undergoing persecution, and they were tempted to revert back to Judaism, uh, to leave Christianity, and to become a Jew again. And the author of Hebrews is showing uh, throughout the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the promised Messiah, the one God promised to send to save people from their sins. He is also the Son of God. And he gives Old Testament examples of Old Testament heroes, and he tells them Jesus is superior to all of these Old Testament heroes, such as um, Abraham and Moses. And so Jesus is superior to the Old Testament uh, heroes because he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And then in chapter 10, uh, we read about how Jesus died for everybody once and for all, that there is no longer any requirement of sacrifice because Jesus was the perfect human sacrifice and when he died for our sins, he died for them once for all. We don't have to offer sacrifices every Sunday. I don't have to build a barbecue grill and we're barbecuing you know, bulls and goats in order to have our sins forgiven. Jesus died once for all. His sacrifice was enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus' sacrifice is enough. And that's really good news because then we never have to worry about, well, am I doing enough? You can't do enough. Jesus is enough. God's grace is enough. Well, am I going to enough church services? Am I reading my Bible enough? Am I doing these things enough? Am I doing those things enough? Um, am I? No, Jesus is enough. His sacrifice is enough. The sacrifice he offered on the cross is enough to cover over all your sins. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you believe in him and repent from your sins, when you confess your faith and get baptized, God 
forgives your sins in that moment. He washes them away. We'll talk about that in just a second. He washes away your sins. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And what he says, what the author of Hebrews says, uh, is that in verse 17, 10, 17, he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That God, when he forgives our sins, he chooses to forget our sins. He chooses to forgive and forget. And that's important. Because the Bible tells us to forgive as the Lord forgave us. And when God forgives, he what? He forgets. And so when we are called to forgive as the Lord forgave us, we need to forgive and? Oh, Sean, let's not go there, right? Let's go back to talking about how I need to go to church. Grab your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Like I said, it's on page 851, or you can use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet. We're going to look at verses 19 through 23 as we start. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled uh, to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Notice there's some words in there. We have full assurance. We have confidence. We're going to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. That we have uh, confidence before God. We have confidence to enter into his presence. We have confidence to pray. We have confidence that we will be saved because of Jesus' sacrifice. That when Jesus offered himself on the cross, when Jesus gave up his life and he died for our sins, that was enough. And now we have confidence to enter into his presence when we pray. We have confidence to enter into his presence when we worship. We don't have to be terrified of God. We should have a healthy reverence, revere, uh, reverence and respect. And we should be in awe of God because he is God. And he is awesome. And he is worthy of praise and glory and honor. But we don't have to be terrified that he is out to get us. We don't have to be terrified of God that, oh, I can't go into God's presence. That's not true. You can enter into the presence of God with confidence, knowing that Jesus' sacrifice is enough and that he has washed your sins away. That when you got baptized, in that moment, God washed away your sins. Your heart was, was sprinkled, it says, uh, by the blood of Jesus, just as they would sprinkle the, uh, the uh, elements of the tabernacle with blood. Your heart has been sprinkled with blood. Your body has been washed with water. And again, there's nothing special about the water. I've told you this before. There's nothing special about that water in that baptistry. It's just highly chlorinated Indian, Griffith, Indiana tap water heated to 85 degrees. And it's always ready. So whenever you're ready to give your life to Jesus, whenever you're ready to receive his gift of salvation, we're ready for you to do that. It doesn't have to be Sunday morning, 1045, Sunday morning, 945. It doesn't have to be that way. Whenever you're ready, we're ready. And that goes back to the book of Acts because in the book of Acts, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch uh, in, in, uh, was being witnessed to by Philip. And, and he said to Philip, look, there's water. What's to keep me from being baptized right now? Philip said, nothing. Let's do it right now. And, and whenever they baptized in the book of Acts, it was always immediately. They came to faith. They were baptized. They came to faith. They were baptized. Came to faith. They were baptized. So whenever you're ready, whenever you come to faith, whenever you believe, yeah, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I'm ready to get baptized, we'll do it whenever you're ready. It's that important. We don't want to put it off. When you're ready, we're ready. So our hearts are sprinkled by the blood of Jesus when we are washed in, uh, clean uh, 
in baptism. And again, the water doesn't save you. There's nothing special about the water. It's God's grace that saves us. Uh, look at verses 24 and 25 real quick. Let us consider. Now, notice all these let us statements. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day, the day of the Lord, approaching. So here in verses 24 and 25, we see that we need to meet together. We need to worship together. Uh, we need to do church together. We need the church. We need to be a part of a church family. We need to be here. It says, let us not give up meeting together. As some were in the habit of doing, there were people leaving the church. Like I said, they were reverting back to Judaism. And they were leaving the church. And they were like, I, it's too much. It's too hard. And so when you are tempted to, to give up on church, when you are tempted to walk away from the church, when you are tempted to say, I don't need this, and I don't want this, I don't want the headache, I don't want the pain, I don't want the heartache, I don't want this anymore. Don't give up on the church, is what the author of Hebrews says. Let us not give up meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. Let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. See, the church is not about the songs we sing. It's not about the sermons we hear. Uh, it's not about uh, the, uh, the building that we're in. It's not about any of that. It's about us. And I think that there are two reasons to go to church. I think there are two things you need. And there are two really good reasons to go to church. First, you need to fellowship with other believers. You need to fellowship with other believers. It says, again, let us encourage one another. Let us spur one another on toward loving good deeds. You need to fellowship with other believers. We need to be a family now, it doesn't mean you're going to know everybody. It doesn't mean you're going to know everybody's names. Only Sean knows that. Right? How does he know? How, he knows everybody. People come up, who is that over there? And I tell them that. Who's that over there? I tell them that. How do you know everybody's names? Oh, one of my goofy quirks. Um, oh, no, it's because I love everybody. I just name. Names are what I do. So... Um, but when it comes to fellowship, we need to fellowship with other believers. Uh, and so when it comes to fellowship, there's two things that we need to do. Uh, two reasons you need to fellowship with other believers. The first is you need to encourage somebody today. You need to encourage someone today. That means you need to go up to somebody. And, and you may not even realize that you're encouraging them. Just your very presence here today may be an encouragement to someone. They know what you're going through. You confided in them. They know what kind of life you're, you've got. They know the hardships that you have. They know the struggles that you have. And when they see you here, they're like, man, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can get through the week and get here, I can do it. I can get through the week and I can be here. You need to encourage someone today. Church is not about you. It's not about meeting your needs, per se. It's about what you can give to someone else by encouraging them toward love and good deeds. So you need to encourage someone today. And then the other thing you need to do is you need to be encouraged by someone today. You need to be encouraged by someone today. 
Again, it's not good enough. I'm sorry, it's just not good enough to walk in the, sneak in the door and, and sit uh, by yourself and, and never get to know somebody and never get to know someone's name and never get to spend time with somebody. We, that's why we have fellowship events. That's one of the reasons we do fellowship events is so that we can sit down with each other and get to know each other a little bit better. That's why we do Ladies Bunko Night. That's why we're doing Trivia Night in a couple weeks. Uh, that's why we do new members classes. It's not to, to check off something on a checklist. Uh, coming to church is not about just checking off a mark on a checklist. No, we, we do this so that we can encourage each other and we can be encouraged by each other. We need each other in the church. You need to encourage someone today and you need to be encouraged by someone today. That's why you need to fellowship with other believers. The Bible tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We got a great men's Bible study that meets on Monday nights, and we are encouraging each other and helping each other grow and sharpening one another and strengthening one another. And it comes through openness and, and, and vulnerability. And, and it comes through just uh, saying, this is my life, and my life is a mess. And, and everyone else goes, yep, mine too. But if you never go deeper in relationships with people, if you never go deeper in the relationships you have in the church, you're not going to become a, a growing, faithful Christian. And to become a growing, faithful Christian, you need to be in fellowship with other believers. The other thing you need to do is you need to worship with other believers. You need to fellowship with other believers, and you need to worship with other believers. And this is important. Worshiping is an important thing that we do as Christians. We need to honor God. We need to honor God, not just in the songs that we sing. We need to honor God in our tithes and in our offerings. We need to honor God in our service. Uh, to worship literally means to minister. And the ministry that we carry out as a church is so important that we do more than just come in and take up a seat on a Sunday morning. You need to be active and involved and engaged in the ministry of GFCC. So you need to honor God in worship. Uh, one of the other things we do in worship is we take communion. And again, this is important. This is a connection with God. This is a communion with God as well as a communion with one another. So you need to worship with other believers by honoring God. You need to take communion. Uh, you need to be edified by His Word. It means paying attention to the sermon. And you guys do a great job of that. And, and it's not because I'm some eloquent speaker, because I'm not. But you guys, I, I, every Sunday I look out and everyone's like, man, you're, you're engaged and you're listening and you're reading along and, and, and I'm exci that excites me, that gets me excited. And when I say things like, amen, everybody goes, amen. because you're listening and that's awesome, that feels really good, so thank you. You have encouraged your pastor today. See, go back to, it's called synergy, it's a beautiful thing, it all comes back together, right? Sean, we have no idea what you're talking about now, it's okay. It's all up here. It's all good. So you need to be, you need to honor God in worship. You need to take communion. Uh, you need to uh, be edified by his word. And you need to be challenged to live for Jesus. And we do that in worship. We are challenged to live for Jesus. And that comes through the message. That comes through encouragement that we give to one another and the help that we give to one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to be in fellowship with other believers. And we need to worship with other believers. And so it's important to be a part of a church family. And you may be on the edge. You may be teetering on the edge going, man, I don't know if I can do this again. I don't know if I can get involved in another church. I, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can be a part of a family. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm, my faith is weak and I'm falling apart. And I just want to encourage you with this. All right, I want to encourage you with this. The church is made up of imperfect people 
following a perfect Savior. The church is made up of imperfect people following a perfect Savior. Don't forget that, that this whole thing is about who Jesus is and what he's done, and none of us are going to measure up, and we are going to bump into each other, and we are going to hurt each other uh, from time to time. We need to love each other and serve one another and forgive one another. That's what it's all about. That's the name of the game when it comes to being part of a church. And I just want to encourage you that if you want to be a growing, faithful Christian, if you want to be a growing, faithful follower of Jesus, you need to be here. And we need to see you here. And it's not for my ego. It's not for Jeff's ego. It's not for Joel's ego. It's not for the elder's ego. It's not so that we feel better about, oh, our church is going. You know, that's not what it's about. It's about being in fellowship with other believers and worshiping with other believers so that we are encouraged all the way to heaven. Because when, when we do it together, folks, when we do life together, we're going to look more like Jesus. And we're going to give a good witness to the world that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he died for our sins, and there's no other way to heaven except through him. And if we will do church together, we will draw more people in, and the church will grow, and people will be saved. We'll all go to heaven and live together forever and ever and ever. So look around. Get used to these faces. Because not only are we going to worship here on earth together, you're going to be with these folks for a long, long time. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's not fake news. It's not alternative facts. That's the hope that we have.